Hmm. The Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast, which this is, is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged and party and have free drinks. They go there for that, too. And speaking of free drinks, the Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the process. It's always free. <laughs> it's not. Uh, the Sixers played the Nets for the 15th time and lost for the 15th straight time. So we will talk about that. Jimmy Butler's groin, his appearance on the J.J. Reddick podcast, his brand new YouTube channel, a potential Markel Fultz trade, a Lorenzo Brown mailbag, and whether or not people actually landed on the moon. A quick note, the um, the Black Friday sale t-shirts have uh, started to arrive in the last week, and uh, I actually ordered a couple, and they look fantastic. I was a little nervous because we're with a new t-shirt supplier, but the t-shirts are very high quality, and the uh, the images on the front are actually bigger than they used to be, which makes me happy. So uh, the t-shirt store is open. You can get the shirt, the one with all the names on the back, processor die, the Rebel shirt, the Process Hall of Fame shirt. Just go to rightsrickysanchez.com, click on the t-shirt link. They are all $19.99, very high-quality, next-level tri-blend t-shirts or 100% cotton. I've heard fat guys love 100% cotton over tri-blend. That's what I've Cool. Heard. Yep. We try to, no matter what you like, if you're a fat guy, not a fat guy, whatever you want. Um, without any further ado, here is Run the Jewel. We are the murderers there. That went to jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then went to hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with the only guy who is not at the LL Pavorsky holiday party, Mike Levin. Ah, to my everlasting shame. What yeah, up, man? We missed you, buddy. Really missed you. How was it? Oh, was might as well lead off with this. It was awesome. Um, a rights Ricky Sanchez listener won one of the major prizes at the end, a very expensive looking ring. Um, I drank a lot of now, colony mead. What's that? Right. Now what is the what is the ratio of Ricky fans to normals? It's really hard to tell. Um, <laughs> just kidding. It's not hard to tell at all. I would say 35% Ricky fans. Still, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm underestimating LL's ability to, to bring in an audience of, uh, holiday party. Uh, what's fuck? What do I always say? The sale cabana holiday party cabana, cabana. boys. I guess, I, how many people are there? Seems like a lot of people. Well, you, wait, are, uh, you, you're underestimating his ability and that you would think there would be a higher percentage of Ricky fans there or lower or what? I guess I just wouldn't expect that many people to go to a jeweler's holiday party. I guess this may oh, be my, it's crowded or, or the, or it's crowded the whole time. 
it's it's crowded the whole time. It's like it's four fucking hours. It's crowded the whole time or three and a half. In my hours. mind, there's twelve I, people there, but I guess I just don't. No, you know, I should give LL more no. more credibility than that. Yeah, there's there's a constant flow, and you've been in the store. It's not a very big store, so he actually over yeah. the last couple of years has suggested that I pump it like less hard because you don't want it to be uncomfortable in there. Here's the tip I'll sure. give LL for next time. There's a lot of like um, handed around like like uh, what are they like treats like uh, food treats what are they called? hors d'oeuvres and food they treats. all have some. <laughs> Treats. They all, they all have. I love that we're starting with this. They, there's no vegetarian food treats. They all have some kind of meat in them, and I would just like one little flatbread type thing without any, without any meat on it. But the, wow. uh, the little Complaints. crab balls are lovely. <laughs> so, it's crowded the whole time. Everybody's dressed up. There's people buying jewelry. I saw this one couple. This lady tried on this necklace. I swear to. To God, Mike, the necklace had to be at least had thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So, whatever. It was it was a great time. Speaking of jewelry, uh, Jimmy Butler was wearing a really shiny pair of uh, diamond stud earrings tonight. I liked his sideline wardrobe tonight. What'd you think, Jimmy Butler, out of the game uh. with the the. Uh, Red and white sort of striped shirt and the was it a camouflage blazer? Sorta looked like it. Yeah. Oh, I liked it. He's a very stylish man. I just get a, mm. I get I get it. I really do like Jimmy Butler very much, and I enjoyed his JJ Reddick podcast. I oh, we'll get into was that. Unsure we'll get into we that. will. I was unsure about yeah. trading for him because of the Tibbs legs and the age and also the potential disgruntlement, but. Um, I, you know, he's the guy. I love him. Very happy about him. Best teammate of all time. Uh, good to take a couple of days off for his groin. I played basketball last night. My groin is also sore today in solidarity. Not, this is not tip of the penis, uh, division. Um, Really happy. Really what miss him. What kind of basketball are you injured. playing, Mike? I mean, Jesus Christ. With hard, I play hard. Only yeah, one way to play. Yeah. My yeah, everything I around guess. my wiener is uh, at risk at all yeah. times. Um, you're you're just sh- th- throwing your junk at everything. Yeah, and, that's how I defend. Who taught you how to play basketball? My dad. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> tough loss to the Nets tonight. I don't really sweat it that much, yeah. mostly because I watched it very fast. But uh, you know, they were missing. Many men. We got Shake Milton first quarter minutes. He seemed uh, a little nervous. Um, nice, a couple nice assists. One, one assist. One should have assist. Um, let's start with Shake as always. But I think you know you're missing Muscala. You're missing Jimmy Butler, and obviously Muscala is not a shouldn't be an uh, an integral part of a championship contending team. But you start to get real thin. The Sixers were really seven deep tonight. Embiid had to play 38 and played great. Uh, Redick played 37 and played like shit. Um, I thought Simmons played well. I really like, I continue to like what we see out of Korkmaz. Just a solid NBA wing. Growing his body, getting more confident by the day, the floater, the awkwardness. It's perfect. Uh, and TJ played well. It's just a matter of the, the, the one thing that I continue to be concerned about is how uh, lead guards 
can just score at will against yeah. this team. Uh, I'm with you in in two very specific things. First of all, when you watch the game faster, it's really hard for it to bother you. It's just <laughs> I've I've got news for you. When you when you watch the compacted game without the drama, it's really it's very clinical. You know, it's like yeah. if. Uh, you know, you, you ask doctors, you're like, well, what's it like seeing like naked people? You know, what if you see somebody who's attractive? They're like, that's not what I'm looking at. I'm just, I'm, I'm just being a doctor. And that's sort of the way it is when you're watching a fast game. Yeah. Just, I, wa- I watched, just I watched it plays. fast and I also watched the naked version. Naked, I saw right. Jared Allen's <laughs> dick the whole time. It was, it was very clinical the whole time. Um, yep. Yeah. I think, I think I obviously have loved Spencer Dinwiddie for a long time. He's very good. He's always very, he's, even in college, he was very good at uh, drawing contact and getting to the line. He was 13 to 14 from the line tonight, uh, pulled up from anywhere. Just a really, really solid, solid player and the kind of guy that, not, he's not super fast, but just very capable. And he had, whether it was like Korkmaz on him or Shamit or, or TJ or sometimes JJ, it seemed like he just could kind of get wherever he wanted. Um, so, um, yeah. I, I agree with you. It's it's not the end of the world. I'm I'm not freaking out over it, especially missing. You know, they're a thin team who's missing two rotation players right off the top, and mm-hmm. one being their second best player. The the guard thing is like is not only is it troubling, but it also troubling in that just like the general sense of this season. I'm not trying to make it. I, I feel like I got a the way. Everybody freaks out over everything. I feel like I gotta couch everything, not in in the global sense, but in the sense of, of this season. Um, the the specifically troubling thing about it is that it's not really any different when Butler's in there anyway. Um, the uh, it does seem like whoever we're playing is going to find JJ Redick or Landry Shamit or whoever the fuck is the the weak link guard that we have in there. And we're not able to, it, it, it seems like it must be, uh, well, and Chandler isn't what he used to be, at least physically. It, we should be able to hide one guy on defense though. Now, when we're starting Korkmaz and JJ, it gets a little bit harder, you know? But the regular starting lineup, it just sort of seems like it shouldn't happen to the regular starting lineup, and that's a little disconcerting because now it used to be used to be you would throw Covington on that guy, and uh, Covington and Jimmy Butler are different in a lot of ways. But one specific way they're different in the, is that Covington wasn't like creating anything on offense, so you could just sort of like he would use all of his energy there right. um, defensively, and and Butler won't do that because he can't and no NBA player can do that on both sides. So um, it's going to be a problem because every, you know, team that we play in the playoffs is going to have a guard that can do that to us. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's uh, the East is like, East is all the set. Obviously the, the Warriors aren't in the East, but um, the top five in the East are all pretty good. And um, all can give us trouble in, in, different ways so i i wonder what they're going to do about it um and yeah it's funny that that the Fultz trade that we'll talk about later may actually address that in some way but um 
I don't know. It, it's 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 probably going to be something that that ails us to the very end of this season, however long that this season lasts. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I think, yeah, especially I think the point that you make about Covington being able to just expend all his energy on defense and offensively, pretty much just stand there and and wait to step into a three occasionally, whereas Butler's really working uh, on both ends a lot, and it seems like he just expends a lot of effort to to do what he has to do. Uh, JJ's the same way, um, obviously not the defender, but uh, on offense he's running around so much that he has to. It really takes a lot out of him, and when he's not hitting those shots that he is working so hard to get, and also he is his regular amount of below average to very bad on defense, then it really, that really you have a tough time winning those games. I mean, one of seven from three, five of fifteen, um, a couple times. I think him missing those shots. Uh, made Embiid go into the post more, which he was successful at, but then Brooklyn was sending double teams, and a lot of times Embiid uh, was just not looking quick enough or his teammates aren't letting him know or the coaching staff's not letting him know that a double team's coming, and he turned the ball over six times. That's too many times. Um, He's just got to be, you know, we say this a lot. He's he's incredible. 12 of 18 from the field, 33 points, 17 boards, six assists. Um, He just has to... He's an unbelievable player, and I love him to death. But you know that this is such a correctable thing. Sometimes it's there's times in, during this game even when he'll get doubled, recognize it, still not pass out of it, like spin through the double team and finish in contact. And that's I mean obviously he can do those things, and it's very impressive. But you just kind of just move the ball, get it out of there, make them scramble and rotate and waste their energy and all that stuff. If they're going to double you. Yeah, I you know, I just swing it around for to find a shooter, and I think when when JJ is not hitting, he's like, all right, I'm gonna go get a bucket myself because nobody else can do it. Yet the you know it seeing them in a late game situation without Butler reminded me of so I'm watching them and they're down like six or whatever it is in the final four minutes, and two straight possessions they go into Ben Simmons in the post. And, like, my first reaction is, like, oh, my God, like, why are we not just doing it with Embiid? And, like, to your point, well, they're just going to double him. He's not great passing out of it. And, like, a, a post-touch in general is not a great crunch time possession uh, anyway because, because of that. And it really does point out how limited they are, like how much they have to work to get points uh, in crunch time and how difficult it is because of the, like everything's a high wire act. Everything's either in, involves a ton of motion and a bunch of passes or is a post touch, which you don't want anyway. It does show the difference to having just like a, a creator who can also shoot um, in in crunch time situations, what a difference that makes and them not having it was pretty obvious tonight you know yeah like you don't want to be down to the nets like i, I want to also say this if, if you have two players one of whom you're going to say is top 10 and the other whom you're going to say is top 25 like i don't care how many guys you're down you should probably beat the nets at home you know um that it's not wasn't the the second night of back-to-back wasn't anything they should yeah, win that i mean of course anyway. they should of course they should be yeah. the nets but sometimes yeah. spencer jim when yeah. he scores 39 and you're like oh fuck we didn't do it or every time yeah, or, or, or every, every time, time. Spencer James. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would also say that the Nets are a team that I, you know, I I've always liked 
the Nets this season. I think if, if Levert was here, they'd be closer to 500 and they'd be uh, making a run at the eight seed and maybe in the playoffs. And I think maybe that'll still happen depending on when he gets back. Um, but they're also a team that can match up with Ben and Jimmy to some extent uh, because Rondé's a big body that can move. Damari Carroll maybe washed, but like can still bang a little bit. Uh even Joe Harris or Alan Crabb or whatever, like, can are like there. There, there are many wing bodies on the Nets, which then makes you look at our roster and say, like, why couldn't we have uh, some more of those? Um, yep, might have been a good idea. Yeah, any of them, a couple of them for a nice one of them. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think I think Ben had a nice game, but I think it it wasn't it wasn't like he could just you know in the Detroit game. A couple days ago, which we have not talked about on the podcast, the one that Griffin uh, didn't play for, um, there was no one on the court that could cover Ben at all, and they yeah, and he just especially. I mean, I think I think he doesn't. He, there's very rarely games when he does it when he's aggressive, Ben, the entire game. Uh, but there's like quarters, or at least half of a quarter, that he'll yeah. he'll just like lock in and just decide I'm going to just dominate, and he couldn't do that tonight uh, because they were. They they had they had the bodies to match up with them, but I still think he did. He had a nice game in spite of it, but it, it wasn't as there weren't as e- many easy buckets out of it. No, yeah, and when 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 he's not getting that, it was like the first seven minutes of the Pistons game right. when they had Kennard on him, and he was just like, "Oh fuck this," um, and then but but when that's not happening, and uh, and you you have a team that has an athletic wing that you can put on him, and they play at least reasonably smart defensively, his game. His game will be picking his spots because yeah. um, it gets harder for him in the half court. You know, he'll be picking his spots in in transition or um, or cuts or you know the occasional post up. So um, and it puts a lot of puts a lot of pressure offensively on Embiid when that happens too. And Embiid was was really good. It's it's uh, I I would like to have Butler back, but it is nice to see like. I love seeing Embiid nights where he just fucking kills the other team. So yeah, would have been uh, nicer in a win, but yeah. How about that? Uh, yeah, that alley oop from TJ to Ben. That was a nice it one. It was me. pretty awesome. Yeah, I, that was fun. You know, um, you you want to like Ben alley oops? I I totally believe. I, I I think it was a at some point last year. I theorized that Ben has small hands, and I think he does. Ha! Which I think. Limits. He his, doesn't. Uh, well, at least not to that? a normal, not to a normal person. He doesn't. I've shaken his hand. They're big hands. Well, yeah, but you're a, a normal sized right. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's six ten. So, uh, uh, and I think it limits his his alley oop ability. But <laughs> but that alley oop, it was a tremendously thrown alley oop pass by TJ because it was very like I would say NBA jammy. And yes, that it was almost like Ben was coming down when he caught it. So there was a ton of momentum when he dunked it. It was it was a, a, a very solid alley oop. It was a good alley oop. Uh, well, we have other stuff to talk about. Do you have anything more on this game? Uh, man, Corkmont's got the start. Yeah, and was a plus seven. Played thirty five minutes, eighteen points on fourteen shots, six assists. I mean, as much as I think Brett doesn't want to, I think he's starting to trust him more. Like he has to be. Trusting him, he rang the bell in the Pistons game. He is earning minutes, and Brett is and be rewarding him with more minutes and stuff. So I, uh, you know, they should have picked up that option. If they asked me, I would have said to do it. Um, and I like, I you know, maybe maybe this is 
No, I don't think so. I was like, maybe they're starting him to make it seem like he's more valuable and growing in like a for, for like possibly a trade scenario yeah, situation. But, but they didn't pick up his option, so it's I think that yeah. you know they gave away the game in that sense. Yeah, the person trading for him would have to be saying, "Wow, that guy can help us during this stretch, the home stretch." Like, I, unless <laughs> unless they think unless they're trading him to a bad team, who's like, "We'll look at we'll have him in our." In our office for half a season and yeah. get a sense of him and maybe sign him if we think that there's yeah, I more there. But I, I yeah, maybe. he's going to be a free agent, uh, unrestricted free agent, so he could go anywhere he wants. So I, don't, I don't know. They should have picked him up. We already we already talked a bunch about LL Pavorsky Jewelers at the top, but uh, he is um, our original sponsor of the podcast at the LL Pavorsky Jewelers Holiday Party, the number one uh, purchaser of the the very first Rights to Ricky Sanchez uh, listener who bought an engagement ring was there, Walt, with his wife. And uh, I met number, a guy came up, he goes, hey, man, I'm number 36. Ha! <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, buddy. So he was there. Uh, I think there were three or, or four in the house. 113 have purchased engagement rings from LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Really just fucking unbelievable. Just, uh, I'll never stop, uh, I'll just, I'll never stop believing it. Uh, or I'll never start believing it. We got an email today, um, it was uh, Eugene, who, who sits behind me at Sixers games occasionally. A very, very happy customer there, Eugene and his, uh, his fiance. So, uh, tons and tons and tons and tons of Rice Ricky Sanchez listeners have gone to LL Pavorsky Jewelers. They've all been happy. Um, Christmas is in, what, two weeks? Um, New Year's in three weeks. Both excellent engagement opportunities. Get your ring from LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Do it. Um, you're never going to find a better guy. You're never going to find somebody who's going to take more time with you. You're never going to find somebody who's going to get you a better ring at a better price. It's just LL. He's located at uh, 707 Walnut, and the phone number is 215-627-2252. Make an appointment if you want an engagement ring, just so he can give you the, the proper time. Go to llpavorsky.com, or you can just tweet at him, at Jewelers or at llpavorsky, rather. And uh, for every podcast, LL makes donations to Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. A holiday party on your finger all year long. Hmm. Is Jimmy there... Butler injured his groin. True. In the in the last game, he is day to day. They have found nothing significant. I think they said in the in the MRI, which is a pretty big but, insult to Jimmy Butler's manhood. Yep. They were like, "Look, we do these on Mike all the time." Yep. And uh, yeah, they couldn't even find his dick. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, a big bruise no where dick. it used to be. Yeah. Did, did you guys trade for Kendall? What the <laughs> fuck is this? Here's, here's, here's look, a, a groin injury is going to happen on a basketball player, whatever. I'm glad he's getting the rest. The last six seasons for Jimmy Butler in terms of games played, 59, 76, 67, 65, 67, and then his second season in the league, he played 82. His first season, I think he played 41. Um, has a history of little injuries. One kept him out of the playoffs last year. Not, like, not huge, not ACLs, but, you know, injuries. Um, coming up on 30, 
played heavy minutes the last six years. And I will say I've, I've, been, I've been keeping it quiet. And I, I think I mentioned it on the first or second pod when he was back. And I watch him, and there is definitely like – I was at the 50-point game or whatever at the Wells Fargo Center. I was sitting like very close. I think it was in the fifth row. And he physically looked just demonstrably like uh, better than everybody else. In terms of his like his ups and his just like how strong he was, he was and on the I bull, Bulls now. that time, right? Bulls, yeah. And I watch him now, and while he's still a good athlete, I I don't see and and this could be I'm just saying this could be him just like pacing himself or whatever. Um, it could be him working himself into shape. He he mentioned on JJ's pod that you know he didn't he didn't do preseason, so he had to play himself into shape. But there is a the injuries combined with like a lack of pop sort of that I see, that I expected to see with him, a pop that I expected to see with him that I don't see makes me, and then I look around the league and I see these giant max deals like for John Wall or Mike Conley or Chris Paul and guys that got them when they're 30 years old or even John Wall was only, you know, 26 and he's falling apart. I'm just like, I guess I'm I'm asking you to like. Should I not worry about that stuff because I I look at it and I'm a little concerned about all those things together and giving him five years, 190 million dollars. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. One, uh, I would say that anything around 65 games per season, I'm like totally fine with. There should you should not. I almost don't think anyone should play more than 65 games in the regular season, especially if they're going to make the playoffs. Like. Uh, have have little hamstring things and groins and shoulders and whatever you want it to be. Um, so so the rest of your body is fresh for the thing. And that's why ha- be a team that's deep enough to withstand, you know, hey, we're going to give y- your thing is your whatever is sore. We'll give you a week off to just like sit on that for a little bit. That's you should be able to in the NBA. You got 15 roster spots. Obviously, you have guys that are dealing with more serious injuries or you have a Markel Fultz, whatever. You should be able to. Well, tr- but that's probably not what was happening with him. No, I'm not saying it was. I'm saying yeah, I, I just okay. I right. just want this yeah. is this is just a uh, a brief fresh fresh legs okay. rant uh, that okay. I wanted to have. Um, and then the the other thing is I will say, like you said in the JJ podcast, he talked about how he didn't really have a preseason and he was working himself back into shape, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he also talked about how he just fell in love with the. You know the process, the the game, the uh, working himself into shape and becoming better and gr- and growing each season and stuff. And so I I think he's a guy who takes care of his body, um, and and he had to working for Tibbs. And I think the the one of the good things was in, in those other Tibbs teams with in Chicago, and even he's the first Tibbs player I've heard like actually like vocally be like, yo, you're going to, we got other players in this team. You can't play me this much. Um, and I remember Towns was on JJ's podcast earlier in the season or before the season, even maybe this past summer talking about how like, yeah, it's a lot, but you know, it's fine. And so, and him being like, no, this is too much. I'm not going to do this. You shouldn't play us this many minutes. I think is a realization of like, he's not just, he's not just, he's a psycho in a couple ways, but not in the same way that like, don't ever take me out. I don't like, 
and B doesn't want to be taken out. He's still at that stage of his career. I think at some point, maybe next year or the year after, he'll cool off on that sentiment. But the fact that Jimmy has, like, I'm not going to do that, I, and he is so intent on being a, a hard worker and, and, and uh, working out smartly and hard, but, but in a way that he's, like, you know, preserving his body and stuff, I think means he will uh, age okay. And be in that sixty-five-ish games per year uh, area, and and the fact that, like you said, you know, there's so many guys: John Wall, um, Eric Bledsoe, guys, guys, games that are predicated of Russell Westbrook, obviously, predicated upon like a lot of hard impact and just like landing a lot. He's not a guy that does do a ton of landing from like big leaping moments. So, and that, that's really what creates so much stress on, uh, whether it's your knees or your feet or whatever. Um, so because he plays, he has that ability to play above the rim, but I think a lot of his game is sort of like crafty, uh, get the guy in your hip and sort of take a little mid range or step into a three, which he's getting better at, uh, or just getting, taking absorbing contact, getting fouled. I think he is a guy that will be able to play later on rather than John Wall, whose game is just not going to age well, even at all. So, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of money, it's a lot of years, and guys get older, and he, and he has injury history and, and Tibbs history. So there's certainly going to be, like, odds are one of those years is going to be a lost year. But, uh, tough shit. <laughs> this is what you got to do. <laughs> Hopefully we have a, we have a championship uh, but- in one of those. Before we get to Butler on the JJ podcast, um, I found out when I saw Joe from Fans of Philly, uh, also my brother-in-law, at the L.L. Pavorsky holiday party. I was like, hey, I'm always nervous asking about how Fly the Process is like doing. Um, You're always nervous. And we are. About everything. What's that? I'm nervous about everything. Yeah. And we're so we're two-thirds of the way sold out to <laughs> after a week. So... It's going very quickly. So if you want to come with us to Minnesota, we're going the last weekend in March. We're going to go see Dario, Robert Covington, um, reunite the core four of uh, Embiid, uh, TJ, Covington, Dario. It's only 150 bucks to reserve your spot, um, yet airfare from Philly to Minnesota. Or if you're not coming from Philly, just email Joe, and he can customize a package. Three nights hotel. Um, at what, the, say uh, Joe's email? Uh, Joe at fansofphilly.com. Joe at fansofphilly.com. Fans with, with a PH? PH. There you go. Yeah, fans with a PH, which I fucking can't stand. But he, and he knows that. I <laughs> talked to him about that. But it is what it is. So Joe at fansofphilly.com. Three Nights Hotel at the Four Star Embassy Suites downtown, which is just like a block away from the Target Center. Four, four, sorry, four, four, star with, party. four Star with a PH also? Four, yeah, four, four Star with a PH. <laughs> Three-hour pregame party with a, uh, a food buffet before the game. We'll all sit together. We Everybody gets the commemorative T-shirt. We're all going to take a picture on the court post-game. I can't promise Embiid will be there, but he's always at the fucking court picture post-game. Free breakfast every morning at the hotel. Free happy hour every day at the hotel. Um, it's going to be pretty wild. And we're walking. We're, we, we're, we, something cool always happens, so we're working on it. So just go to... Uh, writesrickysanchez.com, reserve your spot. And um, like I said, it's $150 to reserve, and 
obviously that's not the in, entire price, but um, he can like work out a payment plan with you. So um, definitely just, very flexible. Just the idea of TJ so. Covington and Dario like having a conversation, like they all re- like remember and have yes. fond memories about being on the live pods. So, well, and my favorite part of this, yeah, to your point, is they've all they they all know what we are at this point. Yeah, like. Those specific guys, because TJ, Cove, Dario have all been, and like Embiid has at least met with the group for two years now after, and is very well aware of who we are, um, I think is really cool. So I'm pretty psyched for it. Um, so sign up, writesrickysanchez.com. The, uh, the fly the process thing is right up at the front. So uh, I wake up. I, I had forgotten that uh, Butler was going to be on the Reddick podcast, even mm-hmm. though he... He has to be aware enough to know how obnoxious it was when he he teased it at the post game press availability of the last game that Butler was going to be on the pod. Um, I wake up and to like the tweets came all day telling us that JJ mentioned in the first two minutes of the podcast that he was not on social media. Mike, I need to know if he's leaning into this. Yes, or yes. He, he is. He has to be, right? Yeah. This is for you. I, I, I made a request. I would just like a, a 10 second video of him confirming to the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast that he's not on social media. Please, please do it. Um, I, there's something about JJ's podcast where, except for Elton, I like everybody a little bit less after they're on JJ. Really? Yes. Ah. And I'm listening to this. All right. This is a whole, this is a whole, my bit is to worry about everything as you, you just, you just said. And I'm already worried about like, as soon as Elton Brand took over, I wrote a thing for 94WIP.com saying that the one thing Elton Brand should not do is trade for Jimmy Butler. (laughs) Right? So, and it has all the reasons. So now that this is a reality, and he's been a great teammate, and I'm excited to have him. But now this is a reality. All the little things that I, I worried about, that I wrote about, are all like, um, like they still exist in my mind. So I'm waiting for them. And the thing that, that like, that bothered me on the pod is like, we joke about him being like a mega, te- a, like the greatest teammate. And obviously we've said that he's probably on his best behavior a little bit now to get that contract. And I'm listening to this thing. And like, if he wants to do the fan service about how much he loves the bell, like go for it, whatever, man. Um, but when they talked about the minute that like the practice, the Minnesota practice, and like he obviously had Rachel Nichols waiting for him to do an interview right afterwards. It was no coincidence that there were a ton of press like happened to be there that day. And he he like he blames someone else on the team for like leaking what happened on the practice at the practice and takes no responsibility, like zero responsibility for anything that happened. And while he's talking about it, talking about how he has a real problem with authority and he doesn't like being told what to do, which nobody likes being told what to do, but it's, it's one thing to, to feel that way and another thing to act that way and then say it. 
And I just wish he would have said, like taking a minute to go, I really regret how that went down. Like I really, like showing up my teammates and, um, you know, Tibbs who I really respect and, you know, maybe me doing the interview right afterwards wasn't the best look and that's not what I was trying to do. I was frustrated. They knew I wanted to get traded. I wish that hadn't happened. If I could take it back, I would love those guys, you know, or, or not even love those guys, F- fuck that. But like to blame them for it, for what happened, I, I don't know. I, I it, it does make me nervous about the whole act and that, you know, when going gets tough around here, that we're gonna see that guy. And it, it that part left a, a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, I see that. Um, it was a shitty thing. The, the Minnesota practice thing was a shitty thing. It was shitty. I don't, and, and it's still fresh. It's not like it was five years ago where he can laugh about it and go, you know, I only shot once. You know, it's a, it seems pretty fresh and I, I don't know. Yeah, I, know. I mean, me he, he definitely has that streak in him. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, his issue with authority figures or how he was asking for the team to trade him and they weren't doing it. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to go in and show, like, you, you got, I mean, it all stemmed from, a lot of it at least, stemmed from them paying Towns and Wiggins a shit ton of money. Wiggins being mm-hmm. bad and him being like, well, I'm going to get, I want to get paid. You're paying these two guys and not me. I'm taking that personally that I'm not, that you guys aren't going to pay me that money. So I'm going to prove to you that I'm better than both of those guys and you can't win without me, which he was right about until they traded for Covington. So Covington, you can't, and you yeah, can win, you can't win without me, but you can win without me and Covington. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and what's funny, to, what's funny to me is it like, uh, sometimes you can just, you can't just do everything shitty under the guise of, well, that guy just wants to win. And this was not about winning to your point. This was about money. If they had given him the money then it wouldn't have been about winning. Which is, that's which, fine. Which is I, fine. I, I, yeah, that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He has, every, he has every right to yeah. be pissed off. Like if, if I had, if there was a writer on staff somewhere who I thought I was better than and they, they're yeah. getting paid a shit ton more, I'd be like, that's fucking bullshit. This, they, they a don't, million percent. They don't pitch, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I don't, it doesn't, it, all the Minnesota stuff, it just seemed like it was, whether it was his fault or Tibbs' fault or Townsend Wiggins for being soft or Wiggins for being bad or any of those, uh, or the owner, uh, I, I think it was just a bad cocktail of things. Um, it, we, we've certainly talked about before Jimmy getting here that, you know, disorder has followed him wherever he's gone. Um, but I just really like, I really like his attitude as they're winning. Let's say that. And mm-hmm. I think y- you can absolutely be concerned of like, okay, when there's when there's a losing streak or there's some ugliness, does something like snap or break or whatever. But I think what he him, what him and JJ were talking about about like, hey, JJ or uh, Jimmy or JJ talked to Jimmy saying when you need when like you can't make that cut. That's my cut. You're that's my lane that you can't do. It. And JJ's like, oh fuck, um, I said all that wrong. But you remember what I was talking about mm-hmm. the. Yep. 
the, the, the like in the immediacy of like criticism on the court, like, hey, here's what I need from you to win, like that kind of stuff of like intense in the moment, that kind of thing. And then afterwards, like being like, yeah, we get at each other. I, I definitely think people can m- misconstrue that in the moment as, oh, I didn't handle that right. And I think they, they both JJ and Jimmy kind of reflected on that in the moment. Like I've had so many opportunities where I mishandled something because I just wanted to get this across in 10 seconds and uh, people thought I was being mean and I just wanted like, I'm not being mean, just like need to need to get this across. And so to me, it's like, I think that they all, this team is kind of on the same page with that. They're not a team that is aside from, you know, the new bench mob, which is like TJ and Demetrius Jackson and shake uh, having a good time on the bench. They don't seem to be like the kind of happy go lucky team that's just uh, playing with a ton of joy. That's just not their brand. They're, they're pretty business-like in their approach. Um, and the other thing I would say is that after the Embiid comments about how he's not, he hasn't been pleased with his role, and he, you know, they got to figure it out, and he's being used on the perimeter too much, whatever. Uh, JJ's or Jimmy's response to that being like, "We should, you know, he's our best player. We should." find a way to, you know, make him happy and keep working at that. Like him having like a mature, uh, reasonable take to that where it could have snowballed and spiraled out of control. Him being like, I'm coming to his team and I want to fit in. I want to make this work. We should all just find a way to make this work. Not like fuck him. He's got to hit his threes. Uh, this is my court, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I think that is a good sign, you know, at least in the, in the moment, uh, that things are, going to be okay then again if they start losing i could see it getting ugly um yeah sure i hope so um i don't know i don't know i just that was um it could be either way there was just something i was wondering out loud i hope so you know that uh there are a lot of examples of things going both ways in the nba like there are some guys like zebo who finally finds a place where he feels like he belongs and he's appreciated. And it, like when he got to Memphis and they love him and he's like, he's great, great teammate, you know, whatever. And then there's other guys where it never connects for him, you know? And uh, you would think that it's, it's this part of his career where he's like, well, now is the time that this has got to happen for me. Yeah. If I'm going to be great, if I'm going to be remembered as great, this is my opportunity. It's a good chance, and I don't have a ton of years to do it, so I better do it now. And I hope it's the latter. You know, I hope it's more like the the Zebo one. Yeah, I mean, and he is on a contract year, um, mm-hmm. which obviously people tend to perform better in those years and be on their best behavior. Um, but they have a they have a decent shot at winning the East. I don't think I think obviously they're far away now, but and the Raptors look good and the Bucks look pretty good. Um, and Boston is Boston, but it's it's openish. So if he's going to be on his best behavior now, and they can come together and they can get a couple guys, mm-hmm. then like you know why not? Final uh, sponsor for the podcast: Colony Meadery, Mead, gluten-free alcohol made from honey. Mead. When I went oh, Mead, M-E-A-D. When I went over to, to Craig's house on Saturday to record the pod. Thanks, Craig and Todd. Uh, Craig was like, I was at Wegmans, and they had Colony Mead. I got some. Do you want to drink some? I'm like, yeah. So everybody was drinking it at the table. He, he got the T-Tax Mead, which is the, uh, 
the Arnold Palmer mead, the lemonade and tea mead, and he also got a bottle of the Wu-Tang Cran. Wow. Um, now the, yeah, the, the bottled mead is higher alcohol content. I think that was like 11 or 12%. And the tea tax, I think, is 5 or 6%. Tons of flavors. There's no gluten in it, as Craig and Todd and his their friend Matt, Brian, they all told me it's illegal uh, for them to put gluten in the mead. They're not allowed to do it. Brian had a, a hinky tattoo that was there, had the uh, an orchard tattoo. It was wonderful. Anyway, um, there was tons of mead there. We, we all drank mead all morning long. It was wonderful. Uh, lots of flavors. Go to colonymeadery.com. I've said... I know we have our own flavor, the uh, the flavor swapped Lick Face Volume One, which is the pumpkin spice mead. But my favorite one is Mini Mead, the one made from raspberry blossom honey. Mead is like somewhere between cider and beer and wine, and sort of right in the middle of all of them. Just enough sweetness. It is available in every Wegmans in Eastern PA. You can actually go to the Meadery Tap Room, the Colony Meadery Tap Room in Allentown, get a tour, tasting. Bottles, you could buy it up there, or you just buy it online. Order the cans online, colonymeadery.com. Use code Ricky for $5 off. Code Ricky for $5 off, or just go to Craig's house. You have to be 21 to drink it because it is alcohol. Please get buzzed responsibly. Colony Meadery, colonymeadery.com, Colony Meadery. Um, this Fultz trade. Uh, wait, was there anything else in the uh, JJ podcast? Uh, no, I just like, I like Jimmy a lot. Yeah. He's a, a peculiar guy and he's very intense and he's funny in his own strange way. I like everything about him pretty much. I was realizing when I watch, I listened to that and then his, his YouTube channel debuted today. And it's just like, uh, some of them more lovable than others, but just about every NBA star is pretty corny. I mean, in the, in the regular life. <laughs> It's just, it, it really is. And, and Jimmy, not, not, uh, not immune to that, you know? Um, boy, oh boy. So there is a, I don't know where the, uh, the faults that the Sixers are involved in the, uh, the Lakers Suns thing came about, but, um, there were a bunch of people talking about it mm-hmm. on Twitter. So apparently the Lakers are, uh, are interested in Trevor Ariza. And the trade was uh, that Sam Vincenzi from The Athletic was talking about. The trade was uh, the Ariza goes to the Suns, or goes to the Lakers. Um, Fultz goes to the Suns. And a first-round pick and KCP goes to the Sixers. Um, I would, I, I think, so Sam's question was, well, why wouldn't the Sixers just, get Ariza for faults in that case. And I would rather have KCP in the pick than Ariza. Would you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if that pick okay. is like reasonably not fake. Like if the yeah. Lakers pick this year or like... Let's just say it's lottery protected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with that. For sure. You get a little pick, you can use that in the future. You can sort of not write, write off Markel Fultz as... We traded him for an expiring contract. We can at least say, and a first-round pick that we could use in the future, blah, blah, blah. And I also think that, like, I like Ariza. I think he's played this entirely perfectly. I'm going to go get as much money as I can from a bad team. They're going to trade me midseason, and I'm still going to make all that money, and then I'll be able to play for a contender. 
really smart. Whoever his agent is, great job. Um, but he's getting up there in years. KCP is clearly uh, not as intelligent of a player as Trevor Ariza is. Um, but he's still 25, and he still has a lot of bounce. And I, he's a better shooter, at least better pure shooter. Not the defender that he is, but I, I almost think that I like KCP's defensive profile covering uh, smaller guards. Guards. Than Ariza. Yeah. So I think just across the board, he's a guy that I would like about as much as Ariza. I'd probably still, if I could pick one just to have right now, I'd probably take Trevor Ariza. But, but KCP is not that far behind him. And then you add a first for it. And I think that's a, I think it's a no brainer. Yeah. I think KCP, I was uh, talking with, with Sharp or, or Ariza. I was talking with Sharp earlier this week about, I, I don't, I can't figure out who the collection of players is, but there's a collection of players who the idea of that player is better than the, the player itself. That's like your whole existence um, with with a lot of the players that you have the league. Uh, yeah. Uh, Trevor Ariza, I think the idea of Trevor Ariza, people like a lot better than, um, than what they would see in real life, I think, with Trevor Ariza. So he's... Yeah, I, I don't think the difference between him... I, I don't think adding Trevor Reza makes, like, at, changes the calculus that much of the Sixers being a finals team rather than KCP, I guess. Uh, not that I think KCP is good and Ariza is better than him, but I'd rather have the pick. Yeah, that's what, that's but then it came out that... I, the, well, I'd make sorry. that trade. And I'd make that trade. Yeah, yeah. I'd make that trade. For sure. I think the the um, there's there's conflicting reports as to whether or not the Suns want Markel Fultz. To me, we can, you and I can talk, and we have, about whether Fultz will ever become the guy that they drafted. Um, but if you're the Suns, and you are hands down the worst team in the West by, what, 10 games at this point? I mean, it's going to be, it's gonna be mm-hmm. a, a large chunk of games that they're going to be down by at the end of the season. Why wouldn't you? Just be like, all right, we got Trevor Reza. We had him for half a year, then we traded him, and we got the first overall pick from a dr- two drafts ago. And he might not figure it out, but we're the fucking sons. We may as well try. And if you, if that can work, and you have a a, a Markel Fultz at eighty percent of the person he was drafted to be, and Devin Booker, that's a really nice balanced backcourt if you can make that work obviously who the fuck knows the faults but why not the idea that they wouldn't want a guy that that's good i mean the sixers were taking risks on tony roten when they were in that position and saying like well we may as well and i think the difference is the the suns the suns didn't try didn't sign trevor reza because they were thinking he'd be an asset in the midseason they signed him because they thought they could be okay this year so really it, it, it yeah, I I think it really comes down to what what their their goals are. But I would take a shot, right? I mean, if you can turn Trevor Ariza into faults, go for it. I I so I like a lot of what the yeah. what the Suns did. I think Ariza was. I don't think it was because they had a shot. And if they did, if, I think it might have been like sure. And if things if Aiden's great and Booker's great, and you know who knows. Uh, but I think it was let's have a a veteran to stabilize. We got. Josh Jackson, we want him to be smarter and better. We want Mikael Bridges to be to like have someone to grow under. 
and TJ Warren also, I think it was more of a stability type thing. Also, if you're drafting DeAndre Ayton as your center, he's obviously not a good defensive player. Having a, you know, somewhat, uh, he's, I don't think Ariza is the defender he used to be, but someone that can sort of anchor a defense from the wing is like as some like stabilizing force for like your new coach and all that stuff. Um, but I, I think if you look at the team and you got a f- some upside guys in your backcourt, I love DeAnthony Melton, who's been playing better lately. Mikhail Bridges, Elia Kobo, uh, obviously Devin Booker can score forever. Uh, TJ Warren is fine. Like you, you're starting to see Brashawn is playing nice minutes for them. I don't think that they're going to be good this year, but like there's guys that you can be like, okay, we have these things. If you add Fultz to that equation and say, we're just going to be super patient with him and and see what happens, you're not going to find anybody else to use that $10 million on that's going to be better and more impactful to your future. So why not? Why wouldn't you? I don't know. I don't know what they what they want that would be like, yes, this is exactly what we, the Suns, want. You're not going to get fucking, like, Jaron Jackson. Like, you're not going to get a, a rookie on a, on a good deal that someone's going to want for Ariza. It's going to be somebody that's like struggling or not playing at all. Rashawn Holmes's mom uh, told me I was full of shit on Twitter this morning. Whoa. Well. Yeah. She was, I mean, did you deserve it? Look, God, God bless her. No, I, I was being pretty fair. I, uh, John Wintermute, uh, was saying how like somebody had tweeted that like, <laughs> I mean, we have access to too many stats, I think. And somebody tweeted about, like, Rashawn Holmes's like, defensive rating in his last 10 games, and which was favorable. And John tweeted, like, it's this kind of stuff, not pay, just paying him $2 million is why we don't have a rotation and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, man. Oh, and, and uh, you know, we never gave him a chance. He was always nailed to the bench here. And I was like, hey, he averaged more minutes per game for the Sixers for the few years he was here than he is for the Suns right now. Like, he played a lot for us. And I was like, he was always clueless on switches, and he never learned, and Brett got frustrated. And I, you know, and John was like, well, you know, he's getting consistent run for the Suns, and I'm, I'm just like, like he, if, 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 we were, if we were the Suns and we sucked, then I would play Rashawn Holmes a lot. But... They can't play him now. And she comes in just off the top rope out of nowhere. And she's like, you, the co- you don't know what the coach was telling him. Like, he can only be so good if the coach is telling him to do a certain thing. And, you know, you just don't know those sorts of things. And, and then he went, she went to John. She was like, don't, don't back off your original point. Like, <laughs> she was encouraging right. him. Like, That's fun. Yeah. It's good to know and you're having like, the important arguments. Yeah. And I was like, you're a good mom. Um, I hope Rashawn does well. So, uh, quick things, quick couple things to end with. First, a, a quick uh, around the league with Ish Smith. Uh, Celtics have run, won seven in a row now. Have the second best point differential in the NBA. Declined. Declined. Okay. Um, Kevin Durant is on the Bill Simmons podcast for the fifteenth time. Mm-hmm. Um, I described it this way to WIP's Jack Fritz. Kevin Durant coming on the Bill Simmons podcast is sort of like when there's like free cookies at work and they're sitting there and I can walk by them a couple of times, but eventually I'm going to eat the cookies 
over and over again, even though I know they're not good for me. And like, I'm sure Rich Kleiman calls Bill Simmons. He's like, hey, do you want Durant on? And Bill Simmons somewhere in the back of his head knows this, um, this is probably not the best thing for either of us, but I can't say no to Kevin Durant coming on the podcast again. And I haven't listened to it, and I will swear that I won't listen to it, but I will eventually listen to it, and it will infuriate me. You didn't listen to it, did you yet, right? No, I I just I Other can't say how how little I listened to uh, Simmons. Bill Simmons. I can't explain Durant, it enough. Durant said it. in an interview with Shams Sarania earlier this week on The Athletic that when people come, come to his house, he makes them watch Michael Jordan highlights on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm just... You're such a fucking What's the problem? He's such a liar. <laughs> he is always, always trying to prove how much he loves hooping. I just... And the final thing is, now that I am uh, partially a NASA employee, I am a rocket scientist, I take uh, particular offense to Steph Curry saying that he doesn't believe that we ever landed on the moon. And then... When everyone is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Three days later, he's like, oh, I was just kidding the whole time. And then I was holding a silent protest because you guys didn't even know I was kidding. Funny joke, I guess. <laughs> he wasn't kidding. I don't know if you heard it, but like, I think it was Kent Bazemore was the other guy that definitely didn't believe that we landed on the moon. Here's the, nobody should be allowed to go on YouTube anymore because... If you watch YouTube conspiracy videos, you think 9-11 was a hoax, you think we didn't land on the moon, you think the earth is flat, just, Steph, don't watch YouTube. And if you were kidding, saying something in science that didn't happen, like in the, the current climate, is not a funny joke. No, <laughs> definitely not funny, funny in the current climate. Uh, pretty good way to get a free tour of NASA, though, and get the full works from them. That'd be, that's a, not a bad move from him. Uh, I, I know. I, I, I bet he's going to get a better one than I got. Sure. I would say that of yeah. the 9-11, uh, Earth is flat, didn't land on the moon, the most likely one is that we didn't land on the moon to me. So I give him slightly more, more of, uh, on the sliding scale of, okay. of conspiracies. I think that's one of the, the more, uh, I don't know, forgivable. If if he had said, here's where I will here's where I will make a slight concession. If he had said the original time we landed on the moon, the first time, I think we faked it because of we were in like a race with the fucking Russians, so we faked it. But we've been there like nine times since. What does he think that, that everyone at NASA is doing? Do you think they're just like Photoshop experts yeah. everywhere. We're just spending sure. trillions of dollars on, on Photoshop. The fuck are we doing? Have again? many human? Like, have many humans? Like more humans have been on the moon the nine times since. Yes, Mike. We are like in the next three years going to build a, a like a stable space station on the fucking moon, so SpaceX or any country that goes there can like park their spaceship there and put the astronauts in this place so they can stay there. That's pretty cool. All right. Yeah, he's, he's Kyrie Irving is he really believes it. That's stop lying. You weren't silently protesting. You weren't kidding. You're a fucking liar. Um and he seems like a nice guy. I like Steph Curry. 
I'm a huge Steph Curry fan. He's better than Kevin Durant. That was a it was a great podcast with uh, on on that on that what was it called? Kicking it, swinging it, winging it. Yeah, it's 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 on the ringer. It's really I really enjoyed listening to Andre Godala and Vince Carter and stuff. It was really some really funny stuff on there. I I enjoyed myself. Do, I can't. What if? Let's say that the Sixers are in the Eastern Conference Finals. And J.J. Redick gets five opportunities to win the game with two free throws, and he bricks all of them. How do the writers at The Ringer respond, given that his podcast is part of their network? I would say similarly to how I would respond if Ben did that. (laughs) That is fair. Okay, quick Lorenzo Brown mailbag. Um... This comes from Sam. I, I, he asked about Kemba Walker. He said, since depth is a problem, should the focus of this offseason uh, be like depth slash rotation players instead of a star-esque player like Kemba Walker? I think the answer is yes. I, would, I, I think they have their three guys. I don't think they need another. I don't think they need a guy like that. Um, um, I, I guess maybe I'm being naive. It just doesn't seem that hard to come up with a bunch of Brooklyn type players. I think if you can say Brooklyn is like Toronto light in terms of depth off the bench and stuff, it just shouldn't be. This is your job to know who's good and who can play. And Brett is heavily involved in the, he's not the GM, but he's heavily involved in the decision making. Go get guys that you would play and you feel confident in succeeding. Not everyone's going to work out, but most of them should. You should be able to get guys that can contribute on some level to the team and not just be buried on the bench, whether it's Jonah Bolden or whoever, or the first I year just, and a I half just don't of think they need Cork a, Month. I just don't think they need another guy. First of all, if, if they pay another guy 25 or $30 million, it is going to be a problem the next year, just in terms of tax with Ben. But even forgetting about that, I just don't think we need another guy who need need shots like that. I, I think it'll actually become a problem. Maybe. I mean, so. how does it work for the Warriors? Well, uh, first of all, it, it doesn't seem... Their, their top four would be way better than our top four. Like, arguably, uh, of their... That at one point, let's say last year... They had two of the top three and three of the top 12, you know, Draymond at his peak. Um, I don't know that he was ever top 12. I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's an incredible defensive player, but he has so many limitations offensively. I I think everything's different when you can say that two of the guys are the three best. Absolutely. It really makes everybody's life easier, for for sure. And and remember, they, they did win 73 without. Durant, and that, that's not me taking a Durant shot, but take it. Um, well, I mean, you take Durant off the team <laughs> and put Harrison Barnes on the team, and they won more games. So, uh, and a championship, not that same year, but I don't know. I just, I, I don't think our big four would near, be nearly as good as that big four, and I think you need. If you're going to do it that way with that much salary tied up in four guys, those guys need to be fucking well, up. Well, you're saying if our big right? f- or fourth was like Kemba, is what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. I would say 
Maybe not Kemba if specifically. If Durant, then go for it. For sure. I would say uh, you look at the years that these guys are in in their career. Next, this year is Ben's second year. It's Embiid's third. Like, Curry wasn't Curry by his third year. It took him a long time to get there. So I think the guys that are truly elite that really get there continue to get better as their careers go on. And, uh, and Kemba actually is doing that, which is impressive. There was a really good video from uh, The Ringer that about Kemba's improvement, which was really good. Um, and so, I, yeah, the, I'd say there'd still be better. But matchup-wise, tough, tough matchups on both sides. If I mean, do you want Draymond covering Embiid all game? That's probably not great for them. Um, I think we, uh, the Warriors have, you know, some of the similar depth problems that the Sixers do. But uh, anyway, I think I think you can do both. I guess, I guess is what I'm saying. I think you can get guys who can score off the dribble and shoot and defend and be useful players that don't feel like they're clueless, while also. Uh, adding to your depth and and not just saying we have enough talent with these guys. This is from Mike. What is the biggest black cloud hanging over the process slash rights to Ricky Sanchez? For example, odds on favorite would have to be the Fultz trade sparking retweet Armageddon. Covington being awesome is the opposite of this. I think the Fultz trade trade sparking retweet Armageddon is like in in the middle because there's, there's so much that goes into it. It was the pick swap. Yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah. We were waiting for return again, which it, was obviously a great success. And then... It was really the ability to make the Fultz trade more than the Fultz trade, I, I would say. Like, the retweet Armageddon was about being able to do it because we had that stuff because of what Sam did, right. I think, in, I, in my mind. There's no, there was no better was time to do return Armageddon than, than the Fultz thing, I think. Unless it, unless it was, like... The first game Embiid played, but even that, yeah, was like he played one game. You know, you don't feel good about it. The when when the full trade happened, it was oh fuck, this team is like locked in. They have all the guys and a bunch of picks and everything. And so I still think that was the right time to do it, even if it didn't pan out. So what do you think the black cloud is? Do we have one? Is it? The the black like the black cloud on Zaire's lung, maybe. <laughs> He's got the bubonic plague. Uh, wherever you are, Zaire, we we miss. Oh, him. I miss him so much. Uh, this is from Eric. What is your favorite non-Butler addition so far this year? Uh, starter Corkmas, maybe. I don't mind Muscala. I know AU doesn't like him. Um, Shamit is great. Gotta be Shannon. Hmm. I like Muscala more now that I know AU hates sure. him. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. It, it makes me. Now he's sick again. He has an upper respiratory infection. He's had such a bad um, first month or first two months. Um, from Lou, when Covington comes back, does he miss all his second half free throws on purpose so everyone gets frosties and fries, or does he bribe a teammate to do it? I well, the, I think somebody's asked this question before. I forget who it was. Uh, but is he if if one of his teammates misses the first free throw, does he start hyping up the crowd? I think it's going to be funny. <laughs> I think it's absolutely going to be funny. 
He's going to smile or something. He's going to know. Yep. TJ is training Shake to do it. Kyle Newbeck did a whole investigation on, on well, did, how that's Did you happening. see TJ's quotes from after the game? He was talking about it. This game? Uh, Newbeck. Uh, no, no, no. The last game. Um, the, the Kyle thing came from... Kyle asked him at TJ at, TJ at the, the, the post-game availability after the Detroit game. And TJ with a smirk on his face the entire time. Just like that... They they voted that Shamit would do it, or not Shamit that uh, Shake would do it. He was a little slow this time, but it's his responsibility now. Um, well, Co- Covington and, and Shake share an agent, so I think it, it, in terms of Covington and Shake being the next Cov and, and assuming those responsibilities, maybe there's some brotherhood there, which I like. And he played; he didn't play great tonight, but I want to keep getting in, keep working, Shake. Find your role in the team. Be the be this team's base more. Finally, this comes from Ty J Wall twenty one. We're not going to do exactly what he did, but he's asking for fifteen minutes of this. But we can certainly give him a one point five minutes of it. Dedicate at least fifteen minutes to making fun of the twenty oh eight to twenty thirteen Sixers. People need to remember. Just go through press releases. It's gold. Sixers hire Eddie Jordan. Royal Ivy declines player option to test free agency. Thank me later. I mean, this was this was, I think, two thousand eight to twenty thirteen is is my entire career at Liberty Ballers. Liberty Ballers. So yeah. it's all there. Uh, one, there there were some dark days. There was a free agent rumor. In the midst of like, when people were very intent on SEO being a big thing, like search engine optimization, like having good headlines, and important and like having the player's name in the first paragraph and all that mm-hmm. stuff, and we were getting... They wanted us to do that a lot. But there was one, one some dark days, maybe it was free agency or when the team was struggling, and it was like, we got to sign somebody or whatever, and it was like Sixers workout free agent Mikey Moore, and the body of the uh, article was just... Ha, 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 ha. It's just nothing but that. It's just like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> How is this real? Uh, there are some dark days. I mean, it was the worst time. That's you can go back before two thousand eight. I mean, even the late Iverson days. Like all of it. It's been. That's why we talked about the context. You and I have given like interviews to people doing process books or writing about the whatever it is. But like all of its context and how fucking gruesome it was, going into the process era that. We you know we were begging for Hinky for a long time, and then finally he materialized and did what we wanted him to do. The Eddie Jordan year was, I, I, I went to so many of those games Ugh. by myself, and and sat in press by myself. Press was the, it was the loneliest time then. You look at it now, and there's all this press in the press section, but not so much then. And I wasn't even really part of the press. I just worked for a, a rock radio station. And it made me so mad that entire year. Uh, like, what the fuck was Eddie Jordan doing? He was so bad. Um, they were terrible. He was so bad. It was just, I, I wanted Elton Brand one day just to punch him in the stomach <laughs> for making him come off the bench. Sure. The fuck are you doing? Did, Whatever. did you see, oh, uh, it was, speaking of that era, did you see Ed Stefanski's son is now yeah. the offensive coordinator for the Vikings? Vikings, yeah. What a world. Really good. Yeah, really good. what a world. All right. 
Um, it's better now. We'll be back this week. We talked last week. It we is. talked last time about yeah. is it better now than it was during the process? And we were like, yeah. you said no. I said, like, probably it is. But I enjoy both in different ways. Everything is better than it was from 08 to 13. Yeah. It was Boy, indisputably was horrible. I mean, imagine reliving the Bynum thing. Oh, oh my man, God. That, took, that really took, it was that like, took a lot out of me. That took a lot of like, life out of me. I wrote a lot about that shit. It's like the Embiid thing, but it, it ended the other way. Like, oh, my God, it was so bad. I... All the the lying, the petri dish, all of it, and and I had to, and still have to, like defend that trade. Yeah, and I do. I defend that trade as the right trade to make, because it was, and it led us here. But man, that was. I get, you know, I've stress about. I have post traumatic stress about how my life was during those times when I was just being like, he's just got to, I mean, we're still in it. It's with fault. Everything. Why are we reliving all yeah. these things for so long? The, the, I'll never forget. I was on the air at IP and I, I got a text message from this guy, Tim, that I knew that actually made the t-shirts for the, um, the very first Sixers thing that I, I did at, at Chiggy's and Pete's. And he was like, uh, he was like, Hey man, um, I just got the info that, uh, Andrew Bynum, when he hurt his knee again, he was bowling. <laughs> and I was like, that can't be true. And he's like, I'm telling you, it's true. I, like, I, was, I was in a room with him at this guy's house and um, he was limping or something. And I asked what happened and the guy told me he hurt his knee bowling. And I'm like, can't be true. And I tried to confirm it. I'm texting everybody and everyone's telling me I'm full of shit. And I wake up the next morning and I wake up to Brian Windhorst reporting that Andrew Bynum heard his knee bowling. I'm like, what a fucking world. What a world. What a just a, a horrible world that was. Oh my We've God. We've been through a lot. Maybe Fultz hurled his shoulder bowling. What a the full circle that would sure. be. Uh, all right, we'll talk to you this weekend. Uh, are you that with TTP? Yeah, you know, like face. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there.